0: The Sobe Art Award is Canada's most prestigious contemporary art prize, bringing national and international attention to Canadian artists age 40 and under. Stephanie Kamalang was the winner for 2019, picking up the $100,000 top prize. Learn more about Stephanie and the four Sobe finalists in the two-part series, The New Masters on CBC Ideas. For more information about the award, visit www.gallery.ca slash Sobe. This is a CBC Podcast.
1: Luke Perry was two feet away from me. My entire body began to sweat.
0: From CBC Original Podcasts, this is Love Me, a show about the messiness of human connection. I'm Luke. Today's episode, Undercover. I have my grandmother's wedding ring sitting in a jar. Which is strange to me, because she and I were never close. In fact, I didn't like her very much. My mother's mother. She scared me. But no one wanted this ring when she died. It was left over in the junk pile after the rest of the family took what they wanted from her stuff. It's so thin, it's almost nothing. It's more like a wire than a gold band. But still. It's her wedding band, and they were just going to throw it away. So I kept it and put it in this jar, put it on the windowsill. And I only realized recently why I kept it. My mom's family was poor. I mean, there's no way to look at that thin little ring and not think they were poor. But my mom could never admit that. It's like she was in a cloud of denial. But this ring is evidence. Evidence of our true family history. Where things definitely weren't perfect. But at least they were real.
2: I can remember our first bed together being this kind of really lumpy, hard futon that I think you'd had for many years. And I used to complain about it because I was a bit of a fusspot with beds even back then. (laughs) And I remember you going to great lengths and putting the futon on the top of the roof where it was the most sun and you climbing up a ladder with this huge futon rolled up on your back. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, uh, it was very hard work.
2: (laughs) And sunning the futon so that it would be warm and fluffy. And it was the most beautiful gesture. And you were warm and smelling beautiful next to me. And I remember, yeah, just loving sharing that space with you.
3: I've always loved sharing a bed with you too. Except I never really got used to all the talking. (laughs) Used to always talk, talk, talk all about the day. (laughs) And I can remember once having to say, look, Kate, I just can't talk anymore.
2: (laughs) It's like even the other night when we were going to bed, we were texting. (laughs) Like I was in my bedroom texting you and then you're in your bedroom texting me.
3: There's always one other little thing to talk about.
4: My mum and dad sleep in separate beds because mum doesn't want to listen to dad snoring.
2: I think we slowly drifted into separate rooms after we had our first child. Yeah. I kind of became this really light sleeper and was always on the alert through the night. And after nights of being up with your snoring, I'd just be irritable and cranky with you all the time. And in the end, you moved into the office and you've been sleeping there ever since. How do you feel about talking about this and recording it?
3: This is a real sensitive subject for me. I don't talk about us not sleeping in the same bed to either my friends or other people because I feel that they judge me as if we weren't in love or we weren't having a good relationship. Yeah. As a child, I always thought it was weird when you hear kids at school talking about their mum and dad who don't sleep in the same bed. And I've always thought it would be weird. I'd never do that, I'd say. I'd have to sleep in the same bed as my partner. I don't know, I just thought it was a real, a, a, a real place of, um, more love. I wonder if our kids think it's weird that we don't sleep together.
4: If Dad didn't have his own room and he slept with Mum, me and Luca could have our own rooms. I don't like sharing my room with my brother, Otto, because he always rustles around in his bed like this and it keeps me up.
2: So when Otto's like rolling around from side to side he rustles in bed Mm
4: -hmm. yes and I'm just trying to rest my body up and then he rustles or like sometimes when I'm really tired my sister's not and she wants to stay up and I want to go to sleep which is quite annoying she's not so confident in the dark she's a bit scared I'm scared of the dark because I have my favourite toy and his name's Ted and I feel like bad guys are real even though they're not real and they're going to steal my favourite toy, Ted. And I feel like they're hiding on the side and
2: under the bed. What do you do when you're scared of the dark?
4: I just, oh um, my like, it's okay, Luca, it's okay, just go to sleep.
3: As far as I'm concerned, the bed is the most important part of the house. I love preparing the bed, um, washing the sheets. It's one of my most favourite times, is getting into my pyjamas and getting into bed. I feel really bad that I snore. And I'm sad that it means that we can't share a bed.
2: So what are we going to do? Because we don't have enough rooms for us all to have our own room. So who do you think deserves having their own room or who should have their own room the most?
4: Maybe me because I'm going to be doing lots of studying and if I was going to have the attic, it's full of boxes and dead rats and things like that.
2: I don't think the attic's really an option. Like, I wouldn't want you to sleep up there. It's not even really a bedroom. It's more of a, like, a dark cave.
4: Well, maybe you and Dad could sleep in the same room and you could use earplugs.
2: I have have kind of tried the earplugs. Does it help? Not really because the snoring's really, really loud.
4: You could sing la-la-la-la-la and put earplugs in in your head like that.
2: So put earplugs in and also go la-la-la-la-la-la like that. In your head. I'll sing in my head.
4: Like... Until you get tired and you fall asleep.
3: The funny thing is that you snore too, but I don't mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So is it just that you want your own rooms or do you think it's a problem that Dad and I sleep separately?
4: No, it's not really a problem because if both of us have a bad dream on one night, Luca could go into your bed and I could go into Dad's bed, just so it doesn't get too crowded in one bed. It's not a problem because in the morning, my Dad comes into my Mum's
2: room. Why does he come into my room in the morning?
4: Because he just wants to have a little cuddle.
3: So I'll get up in the mornings... And then I'll get my pillow and I'll walk through the house, through the kitchen and then through the living room and I open the door and then maybe you'll say hi babe or whatever and then I'll crawl like, into bed with you and it's always nice just to feel your body warmth and snuggle in for a bit.
4: I don't mind sharing a room with Luca for a little bit longer until she's not scared of the dark anymore so Dad can keep the extra room for now. How about you put the blanket
2: on top, the
4: pillows and
2: the so <laughs> Alright, alright, I think it's time for bed now. <laughs> it's hell even late. Do you think we will ever sleep in the same room again? I hope so.
3: But either way, I still think we're extremely close and kindred.
2: We're all under one roof together at night. Yeah. And even though we're in separate rooms, there's like these little pods of sleeping bodies in our one small little house. Snoring away. Yeah, snoring away. (laughs) And I like that big nest feeling. And it's nice just the way it is. Yeah.
4: Good night, Mom. Good night, Dad. See you in the morning.
2: morning Have a
4: good sleep.
2: I love you. I love you.
1: It was the early 90s. I was a 13-year-old who looked 10, trying to be 16. I tried to disguise myself in Carmex lip balm, blue eyeliner, and eyeshadow, like a child hiding behind their hands, thinking they can't be seen. As a young girl, I had a large hemangioma over my right eye. A dense collection of blood vessels had formed a puffy, strawberry-colored golf ball that sealed my eye shut. I had to wear a patch over my good left eye so that my right one would be forced to stretch open. I also had a second golf ball hemangioma over my right rib cage, which affected my blood flow and made my right side grow faster than my left. It made me walk with a limp, so I had to wear a platform lift on one of my shoes. I was convinced my physical complications meant that I was a special, undercover angel being tested by God. I had learned in religion class that everything happened for a reason and that hardships were a test of faith. My humangiomas were the stamp of the chosen few, like Joan of Arc or the Virgin Mary. I prided myself on being different. Until we moved to Texas and I learned my kind of different was ugly. The girls in Texas were nothing like my classmates had been back home. They all came to school looking super cute. Their nails painted pretty colors, and they were adorned with cute earrings and bracelets. I walked into the first day of third grade with my gigantic glasses, neon braces, one puffy, weird eye, a lift on my left shoe, and a ratty rope bracelet, which, up until that point, I had been super proud of. It was clear I didn't fit in, and so I dove deeper into my world of being an angel. I set up a god box out of red cardboard that would let me communicate with my boss. As long as I could pretend, I would be safe from my reality. I remember going to the grocery store with my mom and hearing this baby howl nonstop. I sneaked over the aisle the howling was coming from, made funny faces, and got the child to laugh. Mission accomplished. Later, when I was alone in my room, I realized that the baby had stopped crying because it was shocked at my eye patch and strange appearance. I didn't know how to process the pain of that knowledge, and so I started to talk to God about it through my God box. In the 7th grade, when the girls in my class started kissing and holding hands with boys, I knew that wouldn't be for me. Even if I wanted it. I wrote a little song I would sing to myself alone in my room. Oh, maybe I could make your life worthwhile someday. As I got older, my escape from my reality took the form of the TV show Beverly Hills 90210. I was drawn to the bad boy charmer character, Dylan McKay. Dylan McKay. His side smile made my heart hurt. He was played by Luke Perry. I talked to God about him. I thought if Luke and I could just meet, he would see my tremendous potential. Maybe he would find me refreshing because I was different than the boring, tan, big-breasted, perky, blonde supermodels he encountered every day. One day I found a copy of Seventeen lying on my sister's bed. I thought it might be able to teach me how to be confident and pretty like the girls in its photos. With the turn of a page, my life changed. There it was. A chance to win a trip to meet the cast of 90210. I scribbled the instructions down on how to enter and snuck the magazine back into my sister's room. A few months passed, and then one day, my parents called me into the kitchen saying the phone was for me. The woman on the other line said that she was from 17. My face turned beet red, and I let out a blood-curdling scream and dropped the phone to run circles in the living room. I sobbed and screamed as I ran, while my parents looked on alarmed. This was epic. I was one of the six girls who had won the Meet the Cast in 90210 contest. I thought God must know that Luke and I were meant to be together, too. He was guiding me to him. Being an undercover angel was paying off. I stayed up that night dreaming about the future. The casting directors of the show would be unable to deny the chemistry between Luke and me, and I would get written in as Dylan's new love interest. We'd take the on-screen romance off-screen, I would always be laughing, and he would always be running after me on the beach as the sun set. The paparazzi would desperately struggle to keep up with us. My mother, having seen many weeks of my allowance money spent on posters of the 90210 cast, had no choice but to let me go. They flew us both to Hollywood, put us up in a swanky hotel, and got us a Rolls Royce to drive me and my mom to Rodeo Drive. We felt fancy as hell. Seventeen even treated all the winners to a day at Disneyland and encouraged us to order room service. I took each lavish luxury as a sign that my real life was about to begin. Finally, the day to meet Luke arrived, and it was time to drive over to the set. I kept my CoverGirl Compact and Carmex lip balm close to my side and touched up often. The episode was filming in the Peach Pit, the fake diner where the characters hung out on the show. My excitement was at level 11. Dylan McKay slash Luke Perry was two feet away from me. My entire body began to sweat. I poofed my hair and stood there silently hoping to catch his eye until they called, cut. The scene broke and cameras were being moved. I walked to the back of the room and leaned against the wall, with one leg propped up behind me, the way I had seen in Seventeen. From a distance, I could see Luke walking straight towards me. I glanced around to see if anybody else noticed Luke heading my way. Nobody was paying attention. As he walked closer, my lips began to twitch. I licked them to make sure the Carmex was still in place. This was it. Luke introduced himself, as if he needed an introduction. Here we go. Cue the music. This was the beginning of our wild romance. This was the beginning of my new life. And then it happened. I started to sob uncontrollably and snot gushed out of my nose all over Luke's shirt. I think I even peed my pants a little. It was as if all my body fluids were fighting to be closer to Luke. I started hyperventilating. This wasn't going according to plan. Why was God letting this happen? Didn't I already pay my dues? With the golf ball eye and the limp and the angel business? It seemed everyone on set was now looking at me. I was just staring at Luke with tears streaming down my face and snot pouring out of my nose. And then he leaned over and kissed my forehead. Luke Perry wrapped his arms around me. This was my first embrace by a man ever. And it was Luke Perry. I couldn't breathe. More snot and tears gushed out of me. Luke just held me and patted my hair. I couldn't stop beaming. Luke Perry kissed me. Me. He saw past the tears, snot, braces, larger than life glasses, and kissed me. And I wasn't perfect, but that was okay. No need to escape this time, no need to hide.
0: That was, Luke Perry was my first kiss, sort of, written by Renee Brown Chang. We tried getting in touch with Luke to get his side of the story, but I think he's too busy being a heartthrob. To see photos of today's episode, go to our website, cbc.ca loveme At the beginning of today's show, you heard the sleepers produced with Kate Montague.
2: What else is there about Ted, though? Because he's a pretty special guy. He's
4: quite messy with his fur, and he's my favorite toy, and I really like him when he's cold.
0: Kate is the director of Audiocraft, a community for radio makers and podcasters in Australia. The sleepers also featured Pablo, Otto, and Luca.
4: When he's cold, he doesn't smell bad, but when he's warm, he does smell bad because it's a bit smelly
0: you can see a photo of Ted at our website. Love Me is produced, edited, and mixed by Mira burt Wintonic and Crystal Duhaime in Montreal. Original theme music by Tim Kingsbury. Scoring music by Murray Lightburn. Subscribe to the podcast at cbc.ca slash loveme or through your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it. It would mean a lot to us. And why not write us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'm Lou Olkowski. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. I can tell you the whole story of how I met
2: him. I'd love to hear that story.
4: When Otto was a baby, my grandfather, um, he brought Ted from the shop. And it was for Otto when he was a baby, but he didn't really like toys.
2: So he gave it to me and there's really been no one else has there like Ted's been around for how long now i've had
4: Ted about probably 5 years when i hop into bed i get Ted and i um i put him in my uh, under my armpit because it feels nice and it's quite nice i love him because he's my favorite toy bye bye